0: He was born in a barn. His first baby bed was a feed trough filled with hay. His parents weren't poor, not compared to their neighbors. They were traveling. When they arrived in town, all the rooms and all the travelers' inns were already occupied. The innkeepers in this small town were unprepared for all the travelers who arrived for this homecoming event. This wasn't a family get together. The emperor had decreed that everybody was to report to the city of his birth to be counted in the census. An accurate census would be useful in tax assessment. So the baby boy was born in a barn and slept in a feed trough. A barn is not a bad place to sleep if you have a blanket. The hay is comfortable enough and is less likely to have bed bugs than the bed in an inn that doesn't always get the sheets changed after the previous person has left. A barn does smell like the animals that reside there. In Proverbs 14.4, it is written, you can have a clean barn if you don't have any animals in it. but an aromatic barn might not smell worse than an inn crowded with unwashed travelers. Many of the travelers would postpone bathing for another day, a bath costs extra. The young man whose family was from this small town didn't plan for his wife and new baby to stay with his family because they didn't live there anymore. It was one of those places that is a good place to be from but not necessarily a good place to stay. After several days on the road, it was not to be a restful night. The teenage mother-to-be had been riding on a donkey on a rough road, led by her loving husband as he walked ahead, holding the reins of the donkey. That ride might have helped the baby decide it was time to leave the comfort of his mother's womb. The baby boy wasn't delivered by a doctor or a midwife. His mother did all the work with some assistance from her husband. This was their first baby and they didn't have an instruction book to tell them how to bring this baby into the world or what to do with him when he got there. God was with them and there there were no complications with the birth god was with them indeed the baby boy was the son of god the woman's husband had never had intimate relations with her no one had she was a virgin and now she was the mother of the son of god who was called jesus you might think that god would plan for his son to be born in a palace he certainly deserved to be born in a palace But that was not God's plan for this uh, one who would later, thousands of years later, rule over the kingdoms, all the kingdoms of the world. For now, he was to grow up as one of the people he was later to rule. Even so, he didn't come unannounced. Prophets had prophesied of his arrival hundreds of years before he actually came. His mother Mary was told before he was conceived in her by the Holy Spirit of God. Her husband was told before the baby was born. The baby's presence was revealed to the boy's cousin, while both of the babies were still in their mother's wombs. And to that cousin's mother as she carried her new baby, her baby jumped inside of her when Mary came to visit pregnant with their baby boy. His cousin would be called John the Baptist when he grew up and uh, did the work that God called him to do. On the night Jesus was born, some shepherds were out in the countryside watching over their sheep. The shepherds and the sheep might have been asleep. At least one shepherd was awake, taking his turn to watch over the sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord stood before them. Now everyone was awake. The glory of the Lord shone all around them. The angel told them not to fear. He had great news for them. In the city of David, that town close by, their Savior, Christ the Lord, was born. He told them where to find the baby so they could go and worship him suddenly the heavens opened up and a huge number of angels appeared praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and to earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. You might wonder why those heavenly hosts appeared to a bunch of shepherds instead of appearing to the king or the high priest or some other important person. The only really important person here was the baby Jesus. It wasn't time for him to be presented to people who thought they were important. This wonderful gift from God was going to develop over time. All things had to come together in God's time and in the way God planned but he was introduced by angels to some local folks who would tell their friends and eventually word would get out. In another country far away, some other people had learned this important baby was born. They were seekers. They had been looking for his arrival for many years. It is said they were descended from seekers who had known the prophet Daniel hundreds of years before. Daniel had prophesied the coming of this great king. Daniel was a government official in a foreign country, a country he had been brought to as a slave. Over the years, he had worshipped and served God and had done his job. Eventually, he had been promoted to a position second in power to the king in those same years because he worshipped and served God. God revealed to him some wonderful things about the future. In the time Jesus was born, these wise men who had been following teachings passed down from the prophet Daniel were seeking his promise, this promised Messiah. They learned of his birth from the stars. They were stargazers. They didn't worship the stars. They were readers of the stars. They saw his star the one that announced his arrival and they followed that star to the neighborhood of jerusalem it was a long ride on a camel for each of them carrying gifts for the promised king they were from out of town they didn't know anybody in this neighborhood they were important men looking for a very important person naturally they sought out the most important official in town who would surely know where they could find this newborn king they went to see, to see king herod they told him the wonderful news expecting him to know it already and asking where they could find this newborn king so they could go and worship him their news troubled king herod he called together the chief priests and the scribes and asked where this messiah was to be born he wasn't sure he believed all this, and he certainly wasn't expecting the Messiah to come in Herod's lifetime. He wanted to be ready. No upstart new baby was going to take over his kingdom. Keeping these thoughts to himself, he listened to his scribes and priests and told, and they told him the baby was prophesied to be born in Bethlehem, a little town a few miles away from Jerusalem. He told these stargazers from the east to go to Bethlehem and find the Messiah. They were then to report back to Herod so he could go and worship the Messiah, he said. The men from the far country went out to Bethlehem. Their star came out in the night and led them directly to the dwelling of the baby Jesus and his family. By this time, the family had moved out of the barn and had a place to live, Joseph, The little boy's earthly stepfather was a carpenter, and he was earning a living to feed and take care of his new family. The men from the east worshipped the newborn king and gave him some expensive gifts. Later that night, in a dream, God warned those wise men not to go back to Herod. They went straight back to their own country, not going through Jerusalem. After they left, an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. He was told to get up and take the baby and his mother and leave town. They were told to travel all the way to Egypt because Herod was going to look for the baby and the boy to destroy him. Joseph and Mary and the baby left town that very hour. Such a trip would have been a financial hardship if not for the expensive gifts given to them by the men from the east. One of the gifts was gold, which will take care of some travel expenses. Herod was angry when the stargazers from the east didn't return to tell him about the newborn king. Herod sent out his soldiers to Bethlehem and all the surrounding area with orders to kill all boy babies up to two years old. That would take care of anybody who would want to grow up and take away his kingdom. Many families grieved over the over the death of their baby boys, not knowing why the king would order such a terrible thing. A very few years later, Herod died. Jesus was still a little boy. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and told him to bring the boy back to Israel. He and Mary packed up and took the boy Jesus back to Israel. The boy grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. In the first part of Luke, we read about the birth of John the Baptist and about the announcement of that birth to John's father by the angel Gabriel. We read about the angel's announcement to Mary about the coming birth of Jesus. We read the story about the miracles and prophecies and personal interactions associated with those events. We read about how Joseph and Mary took their little boy off to Egypt for a few years to escape the murderous wrath of King Herod. Each of those babies was locally famous because of the events surrounding their births, but time passes in those days. They didn't have newspapers or TV or radio or Facebook news didn't spread much. Most people didn't have knowledge of those miraculous events, except the few that God wanted to reveal it to. Just a little is told about how those two babies grew up in Luke 1. We are told that John grew and became strong in spirit, and that he lived in the desert until the day of his public appearance in Israel luke tells of the time at age 12 when the earthly parents of jesus lost track of him for three days because he was at the temple having discourse with the religious teachers luke tells in the first four verses of chapter one that he did much research in the writing of this book of luke he probably interviewed mary to get that personal recollection about the boy jesus in the temple Verse 51 of chapter 2 tells us Mary treasured all these things in her heart. I think Luton knew that because he talked to Mary. Now, 30 years have passed since the miraculous births of Jesus and John the Baptist. The friends and family of John might have some memory of how that old couple finally had a baby. The boy didn't do anything famous growing up. In the last 30 years it is likely his parents died and some of the other people involved maybe the young folks heard about all that had happened when john was born maybe they believed the stories told by the old folks but john didn't get famous again until he grew up and started preaching and baptizing out in the wilderness jesus wasn't born in nazareth where he grew up He was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the place the angels showed up and proclaimed the birth of Jesus. We read in the second chapter of Matthew that Bethlehem was where those wise men from the east came in, uh, led by that star up in the sky. Bethlehem and vicinity was where King Herod sent out his troops to kill every baby boy up to two years old. The people in Nazareth might have heard those stories, but that was 30 years ago. People don't act like that in Nazareth. Joseph and Mary probably moved quietly into Nazareth when they came back from Egypt with their little boy. They didn't want to attract the attention of anyone who might spread the word back to the relatives of that crazy king who wanted to kill their little boy. That king was dead. But the new king was probably related to him. He might be crazy too. Jesus grew up in the family of a carpenter who minded his own business. As he grew up, his parents had other sons and daughters. The Bible doesn't tell us much about Joseph after the event when Jesus was 12 years old. Joseph might have died young. He might not have been very young when he married mary when joseph died it is likely that jesus helped his mother provide for the younger brothers and sisters of jesus working as a carpenter until he was 30 years old and maybe teaching his younger brothers how to be carpenters <laughs> a large crowd gathered at the river some just came to the show, for the show this wasn't a high dollar production made for entertainment it was just a wild man in the wilderness some were there to hear the preaching from the wild man he wasn't dignified like the priests at the temple he didn't make a big deal about his own pious self or look down his nose at the common people who wished they could be like the religious leaders All that religious stuff was irrelevant to the wild man. You couldn't say he was civilized. He wore clothes woven from camel hair. He lived in the wilderness. He didn't buy his food at the market or even from the farmers or hunters. His diet was locusts and honey. That's right. He ate bugs and the food produced by bugs. He had no need for money or the other trappings of civilized people. He had one purpose and he pursued it relentlessly. He was a prophet from God. People hadn't seen a prophet from God in more than 400 years. People came from miles around to hear what he had to say. This was really awkward for the religious leaders. They had a very lucrative system. They were respected authorities. They enjoyed their status and used it to great advantage. Then along comes a prophet speaking for the God they claim to serve. They didn't like prophets. This prophet was talking about, wasn't talking about religion or the temple system that demanded their attention and reverence and money. He was talking about a relationship with God. This prophet was pointing out to them something they already knew, but were trying to hide or buy their way out of this prophet told them they were sinners he told them they needed to get right with god this prophet was john the baptist he told them they needed to change the way they treated each other if they wanted to get right with god he said quit stealing quit cheating and quit abusing and manipulating as a witness to their new lifestyle and their renewed relationship to god they were to get baptized in the river they were washing away their sins and their old lifestyle and starting over fresh and clean this was what this was real baptism not just a sprinkling with water John the Baptist was putting them under the water full immersion and bringing them up again with some of these sinners he might have been tempted to just hold them under but giving them vengeance wasn't his job he was leaving that to God if God led them to repent and be baptized he would baptize them repentance was up to them he did question some of them when some of the religious leaders came down he said you vipers who warned you of the wrath to come he told them the time was at hand and the axe was already at the tree he told the tax collectors to stop collecting more than they were going to turn over to the government he told the soldiers to stop stealing just because they could get away with it he was telling people to change the way they lived before god he was asked if he was the messiah and he said he was not but was a voice crying in the wilderness he told them one comes after me whose sandals i'm not fit to tie I baptize with water. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will gather those who belong to him and burn those who don't. The next day Jesus came to him to be baptized. John told Jesus, I'm not worthy to baptize you. You should baptize me. Jesus told John to baptize him to fulfill all righteousness. John baptized Jesus, immersing him in the water and bringing him up again. It was not for the washing away of sin because Jesus had no sin. His baptism was a new sort of baptism. It was a picture and a prophecy. It symbolized his future death, burial, and resurrection. He went down in the water as one buried. He came up out of the water as one rising from the grave. He was to die for our sins, then to conquer death, to save us from eternal death. When Jesus came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove to the Son of God and lighted on him. The voice of his Father God came from heaven and said, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. In Luke chapter 3, we read that Jesus was baptized and began his ministry, according to verse 23, when he was 30 years old. According to Luke 4, 2, Jesus fasted in the wilderness for 40 days, not eating anything. That was when the devil tempted him. Jesus resisted the devil, and the devil left him until an opportune time. So Jesus went throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, and he was teaching in the power of the Holy Spirit. And people were listening to him and were impressed with what he said. He wasn't speaking like the local religious leaders who were not speaking with the assurance of authority. Jesus spoke with authority and he spoke to people's hearts. People in that area were talking about this young preacher who knew what he was talking about. And when he went to Nazareth, the place he grew grew up, people showed up in large numbers. He went into the synagogue and as was his custom, he stood in a central location and someone handed him the scroll that contained the book of Isaiah. And he read from it, Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2. Now, if you or I were to read Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2, it would be easy enough to find, just open the Old Testament to those verses and read it. It was not that simple then. Their books were in the form of scrolls. You had to unscroll one side to the correct place, while scrolling up the other end to keep it from pouring out to the floor. And in those days, the book wasn't marked out in chapter and verse. You would scroll through, skimming through the words as you went, looking for the place you wanted to start reading. It was a complex task. Jesus had exactly the right place to read from in order to announce a very important declaration. I don't know who worked ahead of time to have the scroll unrolled in the right place, but it was exactly the right place for Jesus to reveal what he was going to say. It is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to the opening of the prison for those who are bound, to proclaim the accepti- acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. All the people of Israel were ready for those words to come true. They were tired of living in an occupied country, they were looking for the Messiah. Jesus closed the scroll and sat down in front of them, and he said the prophecy was fulfilled as they were listening to him read it. He said he was the one they were looking for. They enjoyed listening to him read from the book, and then they were stunned at what he had said. He was the Messiah they had been waiting for. They were expecting a king on a white horse leading a a great army. Who was this man? They knew him. He grew up in Nazareth. He was a son of Joseph the carpenter. He might know something about building a house. They need someone to build a kingdom. What a letdown. He might have put one over on those towns around Galilee. All this talk about great spiritual teaching and maybe even some miracles, but. What was he doing for the folks back home? What was he doing for his own people? Were those stories from those other towns even true? If he wasn't helping the people he grew up with, why should they believe in him? They were a self-centered, theirs was a self-centered practical religion. Show me how you help me out and then I'll believe in you. Jesus knew what they were thinking. He knew this was one of many times. He would be rejected by people in the next three years. They didn't get it. Yes, he would perform miracles and draw crowds and preach the word of God, but he wasn't here to lead an army and beat down the Romans. It wasn't time for his earthly kingdom and all its glory. For now he was here to win the hearts of those who were needing a spiritual Messiah. He would be killed in about three years. He would be killed in about three years. But that was part of the plan. Three days after dying, he would rise from the dead he would conquer death then he would tell his army of believers to go out and spread the word to the whole world they would go in the power of the holy spirit to tell the whole world about jesus all the world would get the chance to hear the word that the people in nazareth were now hearing everyone in the world would get the opportunity to choose who they believe in and who they would follow And then, after thousands of years, it would be time for Jesus to ride in on a white horse. In Revelation 19.11, it is written, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Jesus wasn't just going to conquer Rome. He would be king of the whole world and all of creation. But let's look back at Nazareth. Jesus reminded them that the prophets of old sometimes did miracles in other lands and among other people, not taking care of the Israelites, God's chosen people. Yes, they were the chosen people, but they were chosen for God's purpose. And sometimes that purpose didn't include meeting the immediate needs of his chosen. God's purpose in choosing them, included reaching out to the people around them. God was casting a wider net, reaching out to gather in those from the rest of the world. It wasn't just about the Nazarenes. It was about all of God's creation. The Nazarenes didn't see it. They got mad. Here was a prophet telling them he was following the example of the ancient prophets doing miracles in other places, but not in his hometown. He wasn't going to do anything in Nazareth. That was the way they saw it. They drove him out of town all the way to the edge of the hill their town was built on. They were going to throw him off the cliff but all that pushing and shoving was for naught. Jesus just passed through the crowd and went on his way. They might've still been stumbling and scrambling on the edge of the hill, on the edge of the cliff before they realized he was gone. Some of them might have accidentally fallen off, pushed by the scuffling of their fellow members of the lynch mob. Jesus went on his way. It wasn't yet time for him to die and the Nazarenes clearly weren't ready to listen to Jesus.